Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing OnboardNWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at OnboardNWA.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. I'm excited to be with you today. I have a special guest. He's not just a guest. He's also my neighbor. Uh, We actually live in the same subdivision, and um, I got to know Clint um, over the past few years uh, in passing at our community pool, and that's that's a whole nother issue um, with the pool itself because it's it's got its own um, personality. But but nonetheless, uh, Clint and his family uh, live right down the street from me. He's also the pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, which is right there on Old Missouri at the corner of Old Missouri and Rolling Hills. And you know, I got to say, um, Clint, you know, for, for the longest time when I started this podcast, I wondered if I was going to even do anything in reference to kind of talking about 
the the Bible Belt that we're in, right? Mm-hmm. We're like in the buckle of the Bible Belt uh, here in, in Northwest Arkansas. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Um, as, as a former pastor myself in remission, um, so, so I, I, uh, you know, I, I understand that world and the faith-based world that it, that is, and, um, you know, and I said, man, you know, I don't know if I'm going to, because I don't want to, I'm trying not to turn anybody off. I want to make this podcast the widest audience possible. But I also said, you know, I understand uh, how important people's faith is to them and whatever, whatever you are, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, um, you know, we all have, we all call, at least most of us call on a higher power for some guidance and some wisdom. And I just said, you know, I think I I do want to figure out a way to introduce that onto the podcast, because I'm sure people coming here to Northwest Arkansas would wonder, I wonder what Christian life or church life or you know what's going on down in this in this neck of the woods and 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 how do things yeah. happen right because people have this idea that everything is it's all southern baptist in northwest arkansas and that couldn't be further from the truth i mean that's one faction there are so many other uh um uh churches there's so many other organizations that that are part of northwest arkansas and i couldn't think of a better person to bring on the show than you and so uh um clint and clint's last name is Shinek cloth and it's it sounds like it's spelled and uh clint is uh, originally i believe from iowa yep grew up on a farm in iowa yeah so so and, but he's been down here for several years many more years than i have been and uh i just wanted to uh, wanted to have him on the show so clint how are you doing today excellent yeah it's fun to be here good it's a beautiful day it is a beautiful day it, it's, it's a little warm and i'm a little um not hungover, but I'm a little tired after a, a, a trip to the CONCACAF uh, Gold Cup up in Kansas City. And for those of you listening, three hours north of us, we have an amazing um, – that's Children's Mercy um, Park, which is where the um, FC Kansas plays, the, the football club that plays in the, um, the major soccer uh, – major soccer league here in the u.s they have an amazing facility and we went up there last night to watch two games and i gotta say if you ever get the chance to head on up to kansas city a couple things you got to do obviously you have to have barbecue you've got to visit the world war one museum yes best museum in the midwest (laughs) i mean it's amazing yeah it's absolutely amazing and uh and then the third thing is that you've you've got to visit the um that uh, it's the Kansas, the Kansas Motor Speedway, and the Children's Mercy Park, which is right next to each other. And then there's a huge, uh, for all you shopping fans out there, there's a huge shopping center uh, uh, that abuts those that campus there. So definitely check it out whenever you get a chance. It's just about three and a half hours up the road. But anyway, I digress. I was I was on a long road trip that that ended up being longer than I thought, and I got in early this morning. And so, but I'm glad to be here with you. So that's that's a long preamble to to get us started. But how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I did not stay up as late as you did last <laughs> night, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Clint. I mean, you've been. You know, every time I look up, I, I either see you on the news or I see you being quoted in uh, the Northwest um, Democrat Gazette. Um, I, I, you know, I, I know I know you. Be, so I, I've, you know, you're around and you're mm-hmm. a pastor and I don't I don't know how you do it all. You're involved with Canopy NWA. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you just to kind of tell us a little bit about your superhero origin story, how you ended up here in Northwest Arkansas and uh, and just share with our audience a little. Yeah. 
Well, I, we are still sometimes surprised that we ended up in Arkansas. I think that <laughs> might be a common uh, feeling of people who are from outside of the region. Um, we moved here from Wisconsin, and uh, in our denomination, you can put yourself, you know, up for a call and kind of paint with a broad stroke and see what comes up. And I got a call from the bishop down here who said, hey, would you be interested in interviewing in Arkansas? And I was like, what? no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he sent me the uh, the description of the congregation and said, you know, just look at it, just read a little bit about it. And so I did. And it like started getting under my skin a little bit enough where about a month later I called back and I was like, okay, so if they're still interviewing down there, you know, just throw my name in there. And okay. So then we flew down to Northwest Arkansas to interview. This was back in 2010, like the summer of 2010. Wow. okay. And uh, we flew into Fort Smith because... Uh, there was a cheaper flight and then drove up from Fort Smith and we took the back way. We didn't take the interstate. We took the old, uh, <laughs> old 71, uh, 71 yeah, just yeah. to see the countryside, which that was gorgeous. And I had no idea that there were, um, you know, back mountain roads quite like that in this area. That's so, how people used to get to the games from central Arkansas back in the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be like a really common way that everybody drove. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Also, we were blown away. This is a very much a, a an aside, but it's hilarious. I don't know if you've ever been in the men's restroom at the Fort Smith Airport. Oh, I have. It's like this award-winning bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom and the chairs. Yes, they have the these chairs. Barca lounger what? chairs. They're really nice. It kind of flipped us out. We were like, the airport is smaller than any airport I've been in, and yet they've got this like bathroom that is like robotics and porcelain well anyway so we drove up here and i was immediately in love with the area just based on the drive and the and then when you finally get to fayetteville Mm -hmm. and you see the city um that was already a draw um then we went back and you know we accepted the call and then i had to answer the question over and over again to people neighbors and friends up in wisconsin and iowa of like why arkansas like did you get in trouble right <laughs> you know it's like the, <laughs> did you do something wrong did you do something wrong that you're yeah going? because midwesterners really do have this kind of like condescending attitude overall towards the south right and i've never really had that in quite the same way in fact in some ways i've always been drawn to the south I, 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 I'm definitely still an outsider enough that I can't say that I'm a, like a Southerner or that mm-hmm. I'm adopted t- totally into the culture, but I never had that as negative of a view. So I ended up even – I had to write an article like for – I wrote it for our denominational magazine with the title Why Arkansas just to kind of like answer that question and kind of challenge people to consider uh, going outside of their comfortable areas. Um, this church that I serve, they went without a pastor for four years. Wow! Because they had such a struggle getting um, people to even interview for a call here. Because really? Lutherans overall of my denomination are uh, located in the more in um, like the upper Midwest and out east, uh, Pennsylvania, right. New York, where all the um, Northern Europeans settled when they came to the United States. Right. Know? So um, it's it's a move outside of that. I moved from a town uh, 
that had three Lutheran churches, each with two Lutheran pastors in a town of 10,000 people in Wisconsin, <laughs> to Fayetteville, where there's one ELCA church, and I'm the only pastor there. You know, Lutherans are, they migrate here from other places in the country. They don't, they didn't settle here to right. begin with. Well, that's also part of my story of coming here. Like, I've always thought of myself as a missionary to a degree, and my wife and I served it in Global Mission for a while. So for me, going to the edge of my denomination and kind of serving out there on the edge is not a, like a stretch. It's actually what I like and want to do. But then it's also opened up a whole bunch of opportunities because instead of like networking within my little Lutheran world, all of my work is connecting to, you know, other denominations or other traditions. Right. And that's just really fun. Yeah. Is that how Canopy NWA started or did that predate you when you... Oh, no, I started Canopy NWA together with a, uh, a group of people. Uh, there's a fun story behind that. <clears throat> so in uh, that, so this was the year, if you remember, where there was the huge movement of Syrian refugees out of Syria up into uh, Europe. Okay, so, so like 20, 2015. 15, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that was all over the news. Yeah, and um, all globally, all over the news. It was like everybody was talking about that, and people were talking about Syrian refugees so much that in fact a lot of people confuse Syrian refugees with refugees like there was only one kind of refugee Syrian refugees because a lot of people maybe hadn't thought much about refugee right. until that was in the news well a bunch of the governors around the country all made statements about refugees and whether they would welcome them and um, I don't know if you remember but Asa Hutchinson this is like in October of 2015 he was over in Japan at some conference or something, and he tweeted and said that he would not welcome Syrian refugees to the state of Arkansas. Well, for one, he can't really say that. You know, uh, states don't have borders right, right, <laughs> in the right. United States, so yeah. you can't like exactly do that in the way that he was describing. But it really bugged me when he said that. And part of the reason it bugged me was because I've been historically involved in refugee resettlement for a long time. When we were in Wisconsin, I helped expand uh, refugee resettlement from Milwaukee, where, where the main center was for Lutheran refugee resettlement, over to Madison, mm-hmm. closer to where I lived. Mm-hmm. So we, right before I left Wisconsin, we had actually started resettling Bhutanese refugees in uh, Madison. So I already had a little bit of experience of knowing like, how to help the churches connect with LIRS to then bring refugee resettlement to a new region. Oh, yeah. Um, and so then uh, I, uh, when I got down here, I was interested in doing the same thing, but there was no infrastructure for it. Yeah. We don't have any Lutheran social service organizations in the state of Arkansas because there's just 20 of our churches in the state. So there's just not that much okay. there. But nevertheless, it had been in my mind. So he tweeted that. I, you mentioned the news, I did something in social media, and the next day, the TV stations were all like, hey, could we come talk to you? We want to get a statement from a pastor opposing Asa Hutchinson's, you know, tweet. So it's like, okay, that's fine. So I did that. And then at, we're rolling into Advent, and, and um, a good friend and parishioner, Donna Davis, and I were sitting in the fellowship hall after an Advent supper, and we were like... 
we sh- we have to figure out how to like do refugee resettlement in Arkansas. Um, and so we started working on that. So we did a couple different things to make it happen. You have to <clears throat> like network in multiple directions. Mm-hmm. So you have to both figure out how to work with the national agencies while also creating the network of local support for the work that you're going to do. So we started having meetings in December and January inviting people. So you want to help refugees <clears throat> come to a meeting at Good Shepherd. We connected with Catholic Charities because they were the only ones who were doing any kind of resettlement in the state. Right. But they were only doing what you call um, family reconnect. So, like, let's say there's an Afghani family that lives in Little Rock, and they've got an uncle who's coming here. Then the uncle would go live with them in Little Rock. And so Catholic Charities would help that uncle get there. Right. But no no new uh, refugee arrivals. So they were getting, Catholic Charities was getting either all the love or all the hate mail, depending on your political perspective on refugee resettlement. And so he started directing all those to us, and we started making a contact list. And then we called up LIRS, and we were like, you know, we want to bring refugee resettlement to northwest Arkansas. And LIRS's response was, Arkansas? Mm-hmm. What? Are they... You, we don't have any connections in Arkansas. And we're like, well, we'll be your connection in Arkansas. And we think we have like thousands of people who would support refugee resettlement here. So eventually we convinced them to send a team down and they came down to do an evaluation of Northwest Arkansas. And when they, they literally, when they first arrived, were just like really skeptical. And three days later when they left, they were just in love with the place. Really? Um, What was it about the place that, well, what we did, what they do uh, when they are evaluating a site is you set up all these meetings with potential stakeholders mm-hmm. to help them hear like what kind of resources and support there is in place if refugees were going to arrive. So over the course of three days, we had set up meetings with, um, well, I'll give you some examples that were especially fun. We brought together almost all the ESL teachers in the region for mm-hmm. a big meeting at Good Shepherd, like from Rogers and Springdale and Fayetteville. And they all show up and they're like, yes, send us refugees because we already speak 87 languages in Rogers and we've got the resources to you know, help them out in the 87 schools. 87 languages? There's something like 87 wow. languages that are spoken in. It's a lot. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you know, like... Okay, it's on a podcast, so it's already quoted, but I could be, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's, we get it. Yeah, yeah. nobody's going to hold you to it. So. <laughs> Clint, I heard it was 82. You were wrong. <laughs> You're wrong, <so>. yeah. <laughs> um, we went to Tyson, mm-hmm. and Tyson sat down with us, and they're like, they thought we were going to be bringing refugees like next week. So mm-hmm. they're like, we need 200 workers at this plant up in Springdale, <laughs> and we got this plant up in southern Missouri. Right. It's 150 employees. <laughs> we're short. When are you going to start, you know, like bringing them? We met with the mayor uh, who was really supportive and eventually has even did like a, you know, how he does the proclamations, you know, eventually. Uh, so like Ma- Mayor Jordan. Mayor Jordan. Okay, here in yeah, Fayetteville. Yeah, You're right. Okay. Later, we also met with some of the other mayors too, but we okay. started right here in Fayetteville. Yeah. yeah. Um, we met with a lot, just a lot of different groups like and, and leaders in the community like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, uh, the, we met with the Chamber of Commerce. Oh. And Steve at the Chamber of Commerce, well, he was like, you know, he just loved the visitor from LIRS. And, and so it just made a really great impression. 
And, and this is huge, uh, this is something that's really unique about Northwest Arkansas compared to other places where refugees are resettled. Mm -hmm. A lot of refugees come to big urban areas like Baltimore or Chicago or Des Moines or, you know, places like that. And they don't necessarily get a lot of connection with the local community. Right. It's more like they're just resettled by the staff of the social service agency that's doing the resettlement. So it's mostly professional resettlement. And there's nothing wrong with that because you're at least getting refugees out of refugee camps and to a, a better you know, stable, economic and yeah. stable situation. Yeah. But it's not as personal. It's not as relational. But um, here... We've got where every single refugee family that arrives in Northwest Arkansas connects with a co-sponsor team from a church. Every oh, wow. single one. Okay. And we've been doing that now for three years. So nobody's being left to their own devices to kind of figure out things. I mean, there's a lot of hand-holding involved, and, and there is there is an infrastructure there in place to kind of help this process along. Right. Uh, and the, we, we also have the staff of Canopy that does the social service work, but then there's this relational connection to a congregation and a co-sponsor team that's pretty unique. And it has to do with our size, and it also has to do with the spirit of the area. There's just a lot of people that volunteer and commit to helping in those ways. So when they saw that kind of commit like commitment, that was huge. Um, we put on an event that year where we had like hundreds of people show up in support of refugee resettlement. And it was so big that the next thing that happened was Asa Hutchinson called us up and was <laughs> like, hey, let's meet. And he came to Good Shepherd and we fed him pie and said, we're going to start bringing refugees to Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. And he's been pretty supportive. That's he awesome. kind of took a, made a turn from the kind of political posturing he'd done in the tweet to the, on the ground. He's been you know, really helpful for us. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, I just, and it's so funny because I've talked to, like, I know Phil, Philip Taldo is a good friend with um, with Governor Hutchinson, Hutchinson, and Philip was a guest on this podcast early on and was really kind to me and made some introductions. And, um, you know, he just told me, he said, listen, I've, I've known this guy for years. He's He is a good guy. And I think a lot of times we see the public persona of individuals, but then when you kind of scratch below the surface, sometimes you actually find out that, hey, these people are actually legitimate folks. And I know we're in an age. And I try not to make this. I don't. I, I've. I've made. I am Northwest Arkansas non-political for a reason because I don't. I mean, we have enough politics stuff to talk about in this country, especially mm -hmm. right now. That I don't want to. I want people to be able to let this be, you know, informative and inspiring. And I think when I when I hear stories like what you've told, I mean, of the be, the the first interaction with Governor Hutchinson, and then how things ultimately came about. That you know that that's very inspiring to me. But it says more though in terms of what your experience has been here in Northwest Arkansas, and it's kind of what I've always thought is that this is this is a very giving place. For, for an area that is, you know, economically sound, mm -hmm. um, you know, I always tell people, it's, I mean, I grew up in northern New Jersey and, and uh, spent a lot of time in New York City, and, and I know what old money looks like, but there's a lot of people that have been well-established here, but they don't wear it on their sleeves, per se, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think there's, there, is a, there seems to be a fair amount of generosity here in northwest Arkansas, and I, I just recently became part of the Rotary um, big shout out to the Rotary, um, the 
the uh, Fayetteville, downtown Fayetteville uh, group. But um, Oh, you're a downtowner. I'm a downtowner, yes. And, <laughs> uh, and, and I just, I got kind of thrown into the mix and I was just blown away by all of the different people that I met. Some retirees, but I mean, just in general, everybody has, you know, what I like to say in the church, what we like to call a servant's heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. And there are a lot of people out there that have a servant's heart, but don't have the direction in terms of where should I go with all this energy and stamina and, and desire that I yeah. have to help people. And I think that's really important. And what you've created at Canopy has created, that's that's one way to do it. And there are other ways, and you're doing stuff at Good Shepherd. And, and so I, I just think that this is a very inspiring place from, from, from that standpoint. And I think there's a up, the upside is tremendous. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you think about that. Well, yeah, uh, you know, I think I, this is another one of those stats where I'm happy to be corrected. But <laughs> I, I heard uh, not too long ago that there's more nonprofits per capita in Northwest Arkansas than anywhere else in the country. Wow, um, that which, that one I'll have to check. I that would that would be good. I that wouldn't be, be good. surprised for that to be true because um, people have. You have an interesting intersection here in Northwest Arkansas of people who are really inspired to like give back, and who are also into innovation. I mean, you know, the whole living in the backyard of Walmart and uh, Tyson, and then the wider impact that that has means that there's just a lot of people who are who know how to start things, know how to make connections, and and then there's a lot of resources. Obviously, you know, yeah. you got these. Orgs, some of them backed by the Walmart folks who really help launch new things, yeah. like Rope Swing or whatever. Right. And then I think that spins off into the impact on nonprofits, too. Um, I think that a lot of that money seeds some of the nonprofits. Um, so, yeah, when people come here, they start thinking in that way uh, even more, maybe, than they did before they came here. You know, you, you might have felt. Uh, Small in a big market in some other place, and then you come here, and it still has a small town enough feel. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most bizarre things about this area. I don't quite understand it. Um, like Northwest Arkansas is actually, from a say a numbers perspective, about the same size as Madison or Des Moines. Right. But I've lived in Madison, and I go to Des Moines all the time because that's where my wife is from. And it, there's not that same small town kind of thing where you go to the grocery store and you see, like, five people that you know come down here. And I'm, like, constantly – like you and I, when we went to that event last oh, week, we ran into each know, other multiple places right, in, on all, a regular basis. Right, yeah. just on one weekend yeah, or one, even yeah. one evening. And so it feels like you're in a small town with 70,000 people. Yeah. And that's I love that. I do too. It's I do great. Too. Yeah, I I can't go anywhere and not run into people that I know. And now that I've now that I've been spending more time here locally and not on a plane going somewhere, where you know, like at my joke was always the gate agents at in XNA, and that's the airport here, know me better than a lot of people locally do. Now it's it's starting to to reverse itself, and mm-hmm. I'm starting to connect with people here locally, and I see people everywhere, like you say. And 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 I think there's something about that. And I actually I never thought of it that way because yeah, seventy thousand that's a lot of people. But but I'm always telling folks that you got to watch yourself here because you know you you always have to be acting right because you never know who's yeah, don't watching. Do something too embarrassing. Yeah, right? exactly. You don't know who's watching, and you know right. for for for. And I'll apologize to anybody now. I'm from. The Northeast. I'm from just outside of New York City. My driving habits are a little different than 
than the genteel southern way of driving. So if you see me ripping around, you you just have to understand that it it takes it takes a while to to train somebody like myself to adjust. But I have adjusted because like I, I've said it before on this podcast, but like I rarely honk at anybody. Like I think uh-huh. I've only honked like literally three times since I've been here in five years. Right now, when I'm when I was living in Boston for seventeen years, I lay it on the horn all the time. I mean that's just a normal occurrence. I mean you're you're always on the horn. You're always giving people the half of peace sign or whatever. I don't know. But I mean, here it's just different, you know, and you feel like a jerk if you, if you act any other way. So right. I think yeah, it's, it's just, is. it doesn't, it doesn't work. So nope. this has certainly um, lowered my blood pressure being down here and, right. and has caused me just to kind of exhale and, and take life in a little bit and not be mm-hmm. so rushed all the time to do a million different things. Right. So that's kind of nice. But you'd asked about the, um, specifically the church culture here um when we brought the uh lutheran immigration refugee service staff here they're all from the east coast Mm -hmm. like baltimore area where you're from and one of the things that they were surprised by that they couldn't really believe even though they knew it was like the bible belt was there's literally seven churches on every corner. Like, yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. They yeah. thought I was exaggerating when I said that Good Shepherd was on a corner that had seven churches. <laughs> I know. I'm always trying to tell, <laughs> where does your church end and this other church begin? And yeah, if you yeah. turn that corner at Rolling Hills and, and Old Missouri, I mean, it's, it's right. just like that. But that's that that you know represents itself in other parts of the city. I mean, right. you see that. Oh, and, it's and, all over. And, Rogers and Springdale and Bentonville, you see the same thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, if you go down Rolling Hills just a half a mile, you've got the Lutheran Church and then you've got Christian Science and then you've got uh, the Cooperative Baptist Rolling right. Hills and then you've got Trinity, which is like an evangelical congregation, maybe it may be a little Pentecostal. But then if you turn the corner at Good Shepherd and go up the hill, there's also the Nazarene Church. Mm-hmm. And then the top of the hill is Fellowship of Champions. Right. <laughs> And then there's two other churches there on on uh, Old Wire. Old Wire, yeah. Though, and everything I just mentioned, that's less than a one mile drive. It's, it's not even half all, a mile. No, I don't it's think. like yeah. yeah, it's so yeah, it's all close together. Well, so they're surprised by that, but then they also expect it to be homogenous because it's the South. So they are anticipating like primarily uh, evangelical Southern Baptist culture. Yeah. And they're not wrong. I mean, Ronnie Floyd is from here, who's now like the head of the Southern, Southern Baptist, Baptist, right? right? Yeah. So they're, they're not wrong that this is like Southern Baptist Central. But what's fascinating about um, Fayetteville in Northwest Arkansas is the very fast growth of religious diversity in the region. Yeah. So one of the things that we did last week was we hosted, um, we've, this is our second year that we were doing this interfaith youth camp. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we've organized this cooperatively with um, the synagogue and the Islamic Center. And then the fourth org that we do this with is um, St. Paul's Episcopal. Good Shepherd, Lutheran, and St. Paul's Episcopal. We just play really well together. We're in full communion. And we're all, all they're the clergy. Like, you know, like I mentioned, that I don't have any other ELCA pastors in right, town. Right. So if I go on vacation, they're my on-call people. I got you. I so got you. we just have that close relationship. But um, there's, a, there's a really wonderful synagogue in town, uh, Temple Shalom. 
the, on some levels, their experience here is the same as the Lutheran experience. We're both small religious communities mm-hmm. where there's no one else, there's no other org. Right. So like at Temple Shalom, you're going to meet the whole range of Jews. You're going to meet some people who are way on the liberal side of the spectrum, and you're going to have some that are conservative or orthodox. Their only option is the one synagogue. Exactly. So they have to learn how to play well together under one roof because of this, you know, the size of the community. Yeah. And that's the same experience for Lutherans on some levels, and so we identify that way. And then the Islamic Center, which is uh, actually considerably larger than the Lutheran or church or the synagogue. Wow. Um, if you go down to Friday prayer at the Islamic Center during the school year, there'll be 300 men down on the main floor. I, I can't see the women because they're up in the mm-hmm. upper level, right. so I can't count. But that's much larger than any worship service at our congregation. Yeah. Um, and that is a just a very high energy and amazing uh, contributor to our community. Um, so we did the the camp with them last week, and we've really been growing in our friendship with Islamic Center over the last couple of years. Um, we are now we co-sponsored a refugee that arrived. The Lutheran Church did here mm-hmm. this spring. Mm-hmm. Now we have another team that's a, we got a grant. This is actually kind of a fun story. Good Shepherd Lutheran got a grant from Islamic Relief USA. Oh, wow. We applied for this grant last year um, to fund a joint project between the two communities. So we had a speaker come in uh, over the winter, Todd Green, to talk about Islamophobia and how to overcome. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. And that was hosted jointly by the Lutherans and the Muslims. And then now the funds included money for a co-sponsorship team to co-sponsor a refugee family where half the team that's resettling the refugee family Mm -hmm. is from the Islamic Center and half the team is from Good Shepherd. So it's like a way to both build friendship between the communities and also like serve at the same time. So yeah, you get those kinds of opportunities here, which that I would not have anticipated when I first moved here. Like if you had told me, you know, eight years ago that... I'd be marching in the Pride Parade with 100 people from Good Shepherd on a Saturday right. and then out doing interfaith camp with the Muslims and the Jews on Monday. I would have been like um, in Arkansas. Right. But in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. And I always tell, I mean, let's, this this slice of the state, Northwest Arkansas, is, I think is, is, is a little unique. I mean, I've been to the Delta. I've been to other parts of Arkansas. And Arkansas has, still has a long way to go. Uh, I think it's naturally it's a beautiful state. Um, I think um, to me, Northwest Arkansas is the embodiment of what this whole state could eventually be at some point in time. But I just think you know, with the university here and everything else going on with the industry, it, I think it's 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 just a real uh, well. The the Germans have a word for it. It's called a schmelztiegel, the melting pot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's it, it, Northwest Arkansas is a real melting pot, mm-hmm. if you will. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really interesting. And I I think again I have to have this conversation with a lot of my friends on the West Coast and back on the East Coast and other places when they say you're in Fayetteville, really? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you you got you just got to come here and see it. You know, right. it's more than just chicken and you know really inexpensive stuff at the grocery store so you know I well then the other thing that really this is the part that annoys me about the attitude that midwesterners and and east coasters have towards the south is 
they fail to recognize that they have a lot of those things that they're complaining about that they identify as being Southern right in their own part of the world. <laughs> right. Like I have a friend who's a lesbian who moved back from Fayetteville to Manhattan yep. and she has experienced more homophobia from people in Manhattan than she did living in Fayetteville. Really? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. You know, like people who won't talk to her or will actually call her out on the street cause she's walking with her wife or that kind of thing. Yeah. Because there's people that are homophobic in New York city. Yeah. But New Yorkers think, Oh, well we're this, you know, no, I mean, well, that, and inclusive. that's the thing. I think it's interesting. Um, people don't realize, I mean, growing up outside of the city, spending a lot of time in the city, New York is very cliquish. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fall into a certain clique and, you know, when you cross lines, it it, become, it can be problematic. Whereas yep. here, I think people just take you for face value and just say, hey, you know, unless you prove me wrong, I'm just going to, you know. I'm going to interact with you and and and, yep. uh, and 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 be respectful and kind of figure out what's going on with you and not prejudge, if you will. Right. Which I which is what I like. And I, like I said, I've lived all over, so that's an interesting dynamic. Well, another example was if you remember, like a couple of years ago, when there was the whole hoorah around the um, Confederate monuments and the Confederate mm-hmm. flag. Yeah. It was all over the news, and people started people started putting up Confederate flags in their yards. I saw very few of those in Fayetteville, but then I went home to Iowa to visit family, and I went on a run in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> and during my run, there were three different yards flying Confederate flags. In Iowa. In Iowa, yeah, yeah. which is a northern state. Yeah. So what's that about? Southern is like apparently or Confederate thinking as a state of mind as opposed to a regional thing now or something. I think so. I think so, yeah. And that's a – man, that's a – man, I, I wish I had the time to kind of really unpack that because it's, it, it, is, it is a much bigger conversation and um, certainly – um, one that I, I, I would enjoy having. I, I almost feel like I would have to create another type of podcast for that to, <laughs> to really get into that conversation. And, and, uh, cause it, it's, 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 you know, and again, I, I'll leave it at this, but it's a conversation that needs to happen and it needs to, uh, it needs to be unpacked and it needs to be understood from all sides. Mm-hmm. And I think too often we, we treat it trivi- trivially and we don't give it the 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 time and weight that is required it's just a quick oh, snap judgment and uh, that makes me angry i don't like that i get it but it's like you know we have to look at the why behind the why and uh, well, i think we miss out on that for sure as just one example in iowa i grew up watching dukes of hazard when i was a kid <laughs> I, I did never, too. i never <laughs> knew there was anything wrong with the confederate flag yeah i did too i had a general lee car i had a general lee hot wheels <laughs> right. car and i had a tyco racing car so so there's been uh, additional levels of meaning added to that symbol between when i was 13 and now when i'm 47 and yeah. So yeah so there's a lot of levels to it yeah it is it is so yeah i mean we could go on and on about that but um Man, this is this is this is good conversation. So, so tell me, do you, do you still have these young kids camping out at your church um, that that are staying there for a couple of months? Yeah, can you talk real quickly about that program and what you're doing with them? Well, um, so that what that is is that's a group of AmeriCorps volunteers. Okay, um, there are apparently I didn't really know this until. Um, we made this connection to host them the last couple of years. There's different tracks of AmeriCorps. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, the, this group is what they call like Triple C, AmeriCorps Triple C. It's a, it's a, a really hands-on service track. So if you volunteer with this 
part of AmeriCorps, you're out doing like, a lot of physical work. And this team is here with Apple Seeds. It's like the Navy Seals of uh, AmeriCorps. Right, yeah. (laughs) So this team is here with Apple Seeds, which is an organization that's right up there on the hill. We've had them on the show. Okay, all right. Absolutely. And um, they applied for an AmeriCorps grant last year and again this year. And then when they host the the work, they need a place for the team to stay. Okay. Okay. And I'm uh, friends with... Uh, Kira, who's the director of Apple Seeds, and so she was looking for a place to stay, and she was like, "Well, I wonder if Good Shepherd would host." And we were like, "Sure, why not?" So they, yeah, they stay at our church for three months, um, and then they're able to just go right up the hill and go to work every day. Um, and it's fun to host them. They kind of open your eyes to some new ways of thinking about the church space. Mm-hmm. You know, like you realize how much how blessed we are, like just with the physical plant that we have. We've exactly. got all this room. Yeah. In fact, last weekend, not only would we, we already had AmeriCorps staying there, but we had a youth group coming through that had been up in Wisconsin doing a service trip, and they needed a place to stay overnight on their way back down to Texas. So they stayed at our church, too. So wow. we had like 25 people sleeping at how the church. How did they find out about you guys? How did that group find yeah. out about us? Well, we have um, – you can go – you can go on the elca.org website and you can say like, oh, I need to, I'm, I'm going to be on vacation in It's like Airbnb Fayetteville. for e- ELCA almost. Kind of, but more like you can just find out there's an ELCA church in Fayetteville, which is like halfway between. So then you just call up the church and be see like, you can, can I stay at your church? Yeah. In this particular case, humorously, the youth director called me up, set all that up. And then between when he set it up and now they, they called a new pastor and the new pastor that that church just called was my former intern from Wisconsin. Oh, wow. He'd been my intern in Wisconsin, and then he was in North Dakota for his first call, and now he's down in Carrollton, Texas. <laughs> Man. So it's a, Lutheran is a small it is, it world. It is a small community, right? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. We're also the third largest denomination in the U.S., actually, or fourth, something like that. So oh, really? Yeah, we have like four million members. Oh. So it's like Catholics and then Southern Baptists and then... So we're pretty big. But it, when you're talking about ELCA <clears throat> clergy, it just gets to be a tighter network. You know? Right. So, yeah, so they, they really open our eyes on a lot of levels. And it's, I think it's great. I think it's good for the neighborhood. It's always, I think, like safer for a neighborhood for a building to be in use and exactly. occupied. Yeah. So many churches are, are only used on the weekends. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Monday through Friday, they're kind of dormant, right. if you will. So, yeah, I think it's something to be said for a church even our church i mean they're constantly opening the doors during the week at where i go and and mm-hmm. um you know trying to make it as as available as possible i right. mean it's 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 i think that's the that's the, that to me is an effective way of of um you know spreading the good news to the to the to the community mm-hmm. the best way that you can so yeah yeah so yeah we want to be in the neighborhood um that's a, a really important piece for me i've always um wanted to be the kind of church and the kind of pastor that is connected in good ways right in the local neighborhood. Yeah. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time in our neighborhood. Um, I, I walk around in it and try to know the neighbors and know, know the neighborhood groups. And I think that's a big deal. Um, not that all of our, not that all of your membership has to just be from that neighborhood, but, um, that the, you know, there's always that kind of that question that 
um, you can ask like if your church like just disappeared from the map, would anybody notice? And exactly. There's a lot of churches that if they disappeared, nobody would notice because they're so clicked in that don't even know who they are. Yeah. How they impact the neighborhood. Yeah, and that's and that's sad because I mean I, I think the mission for most churches is not to be is to be remembered and to and to make an impact in in whatever area you're in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that is a challenge. So. So do, do you guys think you're going to – I mean, you've been here almost 10 years now. Do you think you're going to, to stay here? I mean, I, I mean, what, what, what is the thought? I mean, you mm-hmm. still have – your kids are fairly young still. I mean, they're not yeah. gra- graduating from anywhere yet. But um, Yeah. No, know. Um, I mean, I think yeah. we have a longer-term call here. Our, for one, our kids love the schools. Okay. Uh, you know, um, the, our public schools here are, are just amazing, and our kids have had such a great experience at Butterfield and uh, McNair and Woodland. And so, yeah, we want to make sure that they get to continue to have that experience. Right. Um, but I think on some levels, too, even though I've been here for... So I've been at this congregation for eight years at Good Shepherd, and um, we've had different kind of stages along the way. Um but I think that we've got like this next stage that I'm really excited about. Um, we we survived a big split in 2015, for oh, one. Okay. Um, we had a group that left the congregation and started another uh, Lutheran church of another denomination in town. Okay. And so we've been for the last few years. That's been part of my ministry is helping us like get. Um, I guess you could say like stable and regrowing after that. Right. Um, and so we're in this cool new place. Um, a lot of interesting things came out of that split um, that have been really good. Um, in fact, I think that part of the reason Canopy exists is because we were free after the split to do and commit to stuff that we wouldn't have been able to do before. Right, right. Um, the little free pantry started after that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this joke uh, that I heard from a bishop one time. He said he was the, the, the two bishops met, and the one bishop said to the other bishop, "So have you started any new uh, congregations in your synod?" And the bishop said, "Well, not on purpose." <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of truth to that. I right, I, I, I right. moved here with this vision in my mind of what I was supposed to do. This other thing happened. Yeah, and that's the way God works sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there, I mean, there's just. I mean, that's. I think that's the beauty of it, and you have to kind of be open to whatever is going to happen and, and be able to kind of roll with it, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think you've done a really good job of that. Um, I would certainly uh, – I, I know I, I've, I enjoy reading your writing um, quite a bit, especially on your Facebook posts, but um, – you know, I know you've written some articles uh, in some of the local newspapers, and I would encourage our listeners just to kind of check out your your thought process and, and and some of the things that you're you're processing as a as a local pastor and and as a member of this community mm-hmm. in terms of what you what you want to see this community ultimately become. And I think everybody that's here um, has an idea of what they want this community to become, but not everybody's able to kind of voice that. And um, so mm-hmm. you've kind of, you have a platform. So uh, I would certainly encourage you to continue to do that and, um, and, and share mm-hmm. um, all of the good news and, and, and the insight and ideas that you have, because I think that's important. And that's what makes, that's what makes Northwest Arkansas special, I think. So, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but I really appreciate you, you coming on and I could go on and on. And I, I've, we're already 50 minutes in. I think it's, 
I don't know if it's uh, it's not a, this podcast won't be fifty minutes long, but I mean it's it's definitely this will be a nice run for somebody to listen to this particular episode. And so I, I really, uh, Clint, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Before we let you go, though, I have to ask you um, a couple of things that we ask a lot of our guests. And one is, we're, we're, when you're not sitting at your wife's dining room table enjoying a good meal from her. Where where do you like to go eat here in Northwest Arkansas? My favorite place is KJ's Korean Barbecue. Oh yeah, I love KJ's. Yeah. KJ's is good. They're bulgogi and and they've got some good food there. Uh-huh. And and uh, I love the um, the kimchi. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just had a meeting. We're we're in the process of developing a new sanctuary network for Northwest Arkansas, which would be like. Um, providing sanctuary for immigrants in mm-hmm. congregations and our leadership team for that. I took them all out to KJ's on Tuesday night. I didn't get my invitation. Man. So, <laughs> so, no, just kidding. <laughs> I love KJ's. That's actually, yeah. yeah, that's good. And we know the owners. And so like when we go there, um, they always come out with extra like free hors d'oeuvres and right. stuff like that. Right. And they're, they, uh, it's my favorite. Yeah. KJ's is right on, um, North college, just right below like Lewis Ford. And, um, like right before you get to the whole foods, if you're going towards the bypass on mm-hmm. college. And so definitely would, and this is the, you're the first person that has recommended KJ's on the podcast. So, uh, we'll be good. We'll be, cool. I'll, I'll be glad to tag them. Cause what we're doing is also creating a kind of a tag of all of the, favorite places of people uh-huh. that are on the show. I think right now the preacher's son is the number one choice. People are always recommending that one. Are yeah. Always uh-huh. I mean Matt Cooper, I don't know what he's serving up there, but everybody and their mother to a person is like, oh the preacher's son, it's the best. So mm-hmm. and and uh, heirloom is another one. Heirloom is in Rogers and um that that's an interesting place and we're gonna actually on the podcast get up there and, and check out both of those locations very soon and have those chefs on the podcast to kind of talk about their inspiration and what they see uh, here in the cuisine of Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So that would be interesting. Well, there's good places up there. It's just, I've got to probably have a small Fayetteville bias. So I'm probably only going to be Fayetteville. You know, and that's so funny because I know there are some people that, that, that kind of stay Fayetteville center, Uh but then there are other people that branch out and, you know, being from the Northeast, I'm like, "Ah, it's not really that far away, you know, to go up to Bentonville or to go to Springdale to go to Rogers, but you talk to some people, it's like, man, going to Bentonville, you might as well pack a lunch because that's a road trip. And I'm like, it's really not that far <laughs> it's away. It's not that far, no. It's not that far. No, so. we just ate at a really good crepe place up there the other day in Bentonville. Yeah, um, I've, I've, there is a place up there. And it's it, amazing. Not at the 8th Street Market, right? Well, it's just down the road. For, it's on 8th Street. It's yeah. over there. Um, it's a little French place. It's super good. But my other favorite restaurant probably in Fayetteville is Meiji. Okay. All right. Uh, they uh, they do if especially if you go on a Friday night. Well, okay, so KJ's you got to try the Dukboki if you haven't had that yet. Yes. That's my favorite thing there. At Meiji, go on a Friday night and get oysters. Yes, they, oysters. they bring in fresh oysters on and, Friday nights, and also like, get the hamachi kama. Um, uh-huh. The grilled yellowtail neck at Meiji's is amazing. Yeah. So, and I'm I'm always impressed because their preparation of it is actually really good. And you know, mm-hmm. the fact that Meiji's is actually right around the corner from both of us is just it's nice to have a, a, a sushi spot that close to your house right. that you can go to. And it's like, wow, this is actually really good. Right. So, yeah, yeah. And that's in the Signature Bank Plaza there at the corner of Joyce and. Um, 
265 uh, right. or, or otherwise known as crossover. So definitely you can check out Meiji's and, and certainly go visit KJ's Korean Barbecue and tell them that Pastor Clint sent you. And um, maybe you'll get some extra <laughs> some extra items on your plate, too. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, that would be good. But um, and then so finally, what, what, what do you recreationally? What, what do you guys like to do? What have you what have you experienced here where you're like, wow, I had no idea. Like, for instance, uh, one one of the guests talked about how much they love the buffalo river i mean it is a it is a it is a treasure i get it mm-hmm. but they were like no you don't understand you i mean the buffalo river is really amazing but do you have something here that really resonates with you and you like experiencing it well a lot of different things um i'm a gamer so we love the uh we're pretty connected to the some of the gaming culture at some of the game stores and in, in the area. Otherwise known as RPG role playing, yeah, games. role playing games, <laughs> right? Um, and so, especially uh, Gear, which oh. is over there by by Arcadia, okay, and Bears by the Mall, which is in Johnson, okay, and and the recent one that we've been we just played board games at for Father's Day. I was um, this game exchange up in Springdale, which okay. is a really cool place. Um, so that's one big one. But uh, in terms of outdoor recreation, probably the place where we spend the most time is simply up over at Mount Kessler. Yeah. Because our kids are all into soccer. Yeah. And that's a great place. Um, I you love it. You got the baseball fields, you got the soccer fields. The Rotary just put in that new playground. Playground. You've got the trails. Trails. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got everything. So it's really great. Have you ever ridden your bike down there from your house? I've never ridden the whole way. No, I haven't. It's a, it's a long way, but it it's is. it's a ni- it's a nice ride. It's a definitely a nice ride. Yeah. And the thing about it is, you're literally from where you live, which is right where at the foot of the Raven Trail. You can ride that all the way around and connect down to Mount oh, Kessler, yeah. which is kind of cool. So yeah, I'm more of a runner, so I run that Mud Creek Trail. Yeah, uh, a lot, and of course, yeah, I love my my main running route is right ar- is around Lake Fayetteville because right. that's close enough I can run up to it and around it and back. And that's really nice too. I would really recommend. And I don't know how long those trails are, but it's it it kind of weaves back and forth. It's it's really nice. It's five point six miles around lake fayetteville okay and then from our, our neighborhood it adds another four miles altogether wow so nine almost you can get almost 10 miles in yeah wow that's cool okay. and if you go up north on the north edge of lake fayetteville now because they've got all that uh that whole bike path now extended from right. downtown fayetteville you know it links up on the northwest corner of lake fayetteville and then you can hop on that trail and go north which will take you right up into downtown springdale right because you can cross don tyson and that road is there's like a kind of protected bikeway there right. so yeah which is really nice yeah so. so when i was training for the half marathon you could, i would add just running right up past the airport the springdale airport and right to the downtown well, that's right because you, you did the hog eye right mm-hmm. yeah that's right i remember you posting about that so okay well, there you have it, folks. He doesn't just preach. He also runs, and he eats Korean barbecue. So, <laughs> so Clint, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and, and just kind of sharing with our audience. And, and like I said, I'm glad I'm glad I chose you to, to be the first man of the cloth that I had on this podcast. And, and just uh, I, I knew you had a, a very interesting story to tell. And for somebody that kind of ended up here in, 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 a, in, an, in an unusual way, um, you know, being here and, and, and kind of 
digging in and, and trying to make a difference. It, it speaks volumes of your character and, and what's, uh, you know, what moves you. So thank you so much for Absolutely. being a part of this community. I yeah. really appreciate it. So Absolutely. Yeah. You know the first joke I learned when I moved here? What's that? What's the difference between a Yankee and a damn Yankee? What? A damn Yankee stays. <laughs> I like that one. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to post that joke. That's funny. A, a damn Yankee stays. So. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. All right. Well, folks, on that note, that's how we're going to end this podcast. Um, uh, thanks so much uh, for Clint Schnickloth. Uh, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And um, just uh, just a really interesting individual. I, I hope you that uh, that you enjoyed this, this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. We will be back with you next week with another episode featuring hopefully somebody like Clint that's exciting and interesting and vibrant and has something to add to the conversation of what makes Northwest Arkansas great, the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life here in the Ozarks. So we really appreciate you. If you get a chance, please check us out online at IamNorthwestArkansas.com and also Wherever you listen to this podcast, please rate and review us. We would love a five-star review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. We're getting some really great reviews, and I'm actually going to start reading those reviews here on the podcast just to highlight what people are saying about us, and, and we really appreciate that. But not, but if you get a chance, we'd love for you to do that, whether you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, you're find, wherever you find your great podcast, uh, you can rate us and review us and let us know what you think about this. And, and if you, we, we'd love to hear from you. So you can always reach out to me at any time, Randy at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. I'm actually starting to get emails now from different people. And I just got an email from the symphony out of the blue and they want to be on the podcast and I'm going to accommodate them. We're going to have um, some of the, the director of the, the, the symphony and some other folks on the podcast to kind of talk about classical music here in Northwest Arkansas. Cause we, 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 we do other things and play banjos in Northwest Arkansas. I'm being funny, but anyway, it it should be it should be cool. So we'll uh we'll see how that goes and and hopefully in a few weeks you guys will hear from the symphony. Their upcoming season is going to be happening and and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about it. And we're also we also got invited to Bite NWA. And so I will be at Bite NWA over the next couple of days, and I'm going to cover that event and interview all the people that are there, and I'll probably package that up and make that an episode as well. So stay tuned. A lot of really great things happening on I Am Northwest Arkansas. That's it for today. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I will see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.